Good morning. Good morning. It is a good morning, amen? We're here. We're part of the minority that are here this morning. I could just see Pastor Dan. Well, man, we got a ton going down to Haiti and pressing 100 going to New York and a couple of hundred of college kids off on spring break. Everybody's going to be gone. What should we do? Oh, let's get Steve to preach that day. Everybody's going to be gone. They'll like that. It is great to be here in the house of the Lord. Amen? Because God is with us. It's a you and him kind of a thing going on this morning. In front of your bulletin says the pinnacle truth of all scripture. That's a pretty daring title to place on any sermon to say there's a whole Bible, a whole bunch of truths, a great deal of revelation that God gives us in his word. And we're going to look at the, the pinnacle, the supreme, the incredible truth that we find in Colossians chapter 1. Turn there with me. Colossians chapter 1. Years ago, I was on a golf team. I played some middle school and high school golf, and at one point, I uh, was in a lesson with the golf pro, and as he had us all lined up, he came and watched my stance and my swing, and as I, as I hauled off and hit a couple of balls for him, he, he looked at me and said, hey, Steve, do you play baseball? I, I said, I'm trying to play golf, but yeah, I play baseball. He said, hey, I, I want you to take this golf ball, and I want you to hold it, and I want you to squeeze it as hard as you can, and I did. He says, is that how you hold a baseball? I said, no. Is that how you throw it? No. He said, hold it as hard as you can. I want you to throw it like a baseball. And I, I tried to, and it was, it was kind of an awkward throw because I was gripping it so tight. And he said, that's, that's how your golf swing is right now, and that's how your golf grip is right now. You're, you're, you're holding that club way too tight. It needs to be a much more natural swing. And he gave me that lesson, and lo and behold, I just kind of loosened up on that golf swing. And I hauled off with that seven iron, and I came back, and I came through nice and easy in that, that grip. The ball went as straight as an arrow, further than I normally hit a seven iron. I looked up at that golf pro, and I said, amazing. Did you see what you just did for me? He said, yeah, that's what I'm here for. And here, I want to show you something in Scripture today that kind of says to all of us in the spiritual journey, loosen up the grip a little bit. Quit trying so hard. Sometimes we have been culturized, if that's a word, here in this, this Western church thing that we do, and it becomes all about that outward expression, that outward circles of who we are, the, the out, outward rules of what we do and what we don't do. And I'm just encouraging you today, let the Holy Spirit of God in in a fresh way. And loosen up your grip a little bit and let God be Lord of all in your journey with him. Colossians chapter 1. We're going to dig right in here. There's a lot of ground to cover, some deep and penetrating scripture. We're going to look at verses 24 through 29, but camp out in verse 27. And really in verse 27, seven powerful, life-changing words. Words that if we could get around, uh, get these around, our arms around these, uh, it would revolutionize our Christian walk with the Lord. And if you're here today without Jesus Christ, these seven words can save you. They can change your life today. Colossians, verse 24 of the first chapter. Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions 
for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations but is now disclosed to the saints. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end, I labor, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. You hear Paul as he's writing to the Colossians? He says, there's a struggle going on. There's a battle raging within my life as I'm a servant to the church, proclaiming truth. Verse 29 says, I'm struggling with all his energy which so powerfully works in me. As we talk about who Christ is and who you are in relationship to Christ this morning, where he's at in relationship to your walk today, I want you to see some things about the Christian life. And first of all, it's an empowered life. Oh yeah, there's, there's some tension. And there's the old flesh that wrestles with the new nature, Christ in us. But those seven powerful words are, are so revealing. It is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Kevin was just ushering us to the presence of the Lord in prayer and in that song about the mystery that's been revealed. It's not a secret. It's a mystery that up to a certain point had not yet been revealed. It's kind of like what I have underneath this towel, this sheet right here. Somebody asked me if we were doing communion this morning. No, that's not what we're going to do. But there's a mystery. It's going to be revealed in a few moments. That's what Paul is saying about this this scriptural truth. There's been a mystery all through the generations, and I'm I'm going to reveal it to you. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. And, And who is this Christ that he's talking about? Paul paints a picture for us. These Colossians, their, their faith was being undermined. The, the city in which they were was becoming more of a metropolitan city. Money, power, government, that's what it was all about. Trade and business. And the faith of the Christians was being undermined by the culture. And so Paul writes to them in this time that their faith was being undermined. And I think he wants to write to us because in the 21st century, so many in the church, their faith is being undermined. Look over at verse 21. Excuse me, verse 15. Who who is this Christ? Listen to what Paul says about Christ. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. You hear these, these pieces of the portrait? He is supreme. He was not created. He's the image of God. God revealed in the flesh. Look over at chapter 2, verse 9. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Are you getting this picture? Christ, creator. He is the sustainer. By the time you get down in that first chapter to verses 19 and 20, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. And through him, 
to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Are you getting a picture? He's creator. He's the sustainer. That means that the grass that we sing about here or we're talking about here in the spring and the stars that are hung, listen, they would fall out of the sky and the grass would fade away if Jesus took his hand off of his creation. What's that mean for you and I? The very breath of life. It's Christ that gives us the breath of life today. And as Christians, we need to recognize the empowered life that comes through Jesus Christ, Lord, Creator, Savior, and He's our friend. He's right here in this place today. If you just stop and recognize that He is with you. The empowered life. Secondly, there's an effect on our life. The Christian life is the transformed life. By the time we get to verses 26 and 27, there's this unpacking of a mystery. It's not a secret, but a mystery that was waiting up to a point to be revealed. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Why is this such a mystery? Why is this so hard even for us to grasp today? Well, you, in the Old Testament, it was such a different picture. Listen to these verses and this description of how God did life in relationship to his people. In Genesis 12, 15, he says, I am with you. God, I am with you. To Abraham in verse 26, at Genesis 26, I am with you. To Isaac, I am with you. Genesis 28, to Jacob, I am with you. Genesis 39, four times he says to Joseph, I am with you. By the time we get to Exodus, he says, Moses, I will be with you. To Joshua, he says, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. He says in another promise to Joshua, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Pastor Dan has been unpacking this truth over and over, giving us the great hope of how Christ, how God is with us. But do you see the picture of the Old Testament? It says, alongside us. I'm with you. He's right there with them, alongside of them. By the time you arrive with Jesus, Jesus was right here on the face of this earth. This God in flesh come down amongst us. And he was right here on this earth. He was with the disciples. He was with us. Emmanuel, God with us. And then he says in John chapter 13, verse 33, I'll only be with you a little while longer. Point through all of creation had come down to Jesus saying, I'll be with you just a few more days. And then he died. Forty days after his resurrection, he ascended. The Bible says in Hebrews, he's at the right hand of the Father right now. But the mystery revealed is this. Christ in you, the hope of glory. To the saints he is writing, and not only to the, the saints that we might be thinking of the Jewish nation, but it says there in verse 27, amongst the Gentiles, this glorious riches of this mystery is made known. Amongst the Gentiles, those that were not originally the people of God, but have been adopted in, grafted in, because they had placed their faith in Jesus Christ. But this mammoth truth, there's so many Christians that are living apart from it. I remember years ago, I came out for recess. I was in fourth grade. I was 11 years old. As I came out to recess, there was kind of a hustle and bustle going on out on the playground. And there was this swing set, and all these kids were running around. And, man, there was just a lot of extraordinary hoopla that was happening out there on the playground. And I look over, and at that, on that 
swing set, there is a second grader. He's handcuffed around the bar that's coming down on the swing set. I'm thinking, oh my goodness, there's a kid handcuffed, and there's this great big tall policeman. I'm going, man, what's going on out here? So I get a little bit closer, and I recognize what's going on. That big six-foot-four policeman was my dad. And the kid that has his hands handcuffed to the swing set was my little brother, Eric. All the kids at Officer Best, they're just making a visit to the school. We're having a lot of fun. And then my dad responding to the kids saying, hey, we want to see your handcuffs. Use your handcuffs. He used those handcuffs, and he handcuffed my brother to the swing set. And, man, it made for quite the scene. It just reminded me of how many times he handcuffed us in our bedroom. No, 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 he never did anything like that. But here's the picture. My brother wasn't being arrested. He hadn't done anything wrong. He chose to be handcuffed to the playground set. He just said, hey, Dad, I'll be the guinea pig. He chose to be handcuffed. I believe there's a lot of Christians. Listen to me. You don't have to be handcuffed. You're not arrested by sin any longer. When Christ's blood was shed on the cross, it set you free. Listen to me. If you're being handcuffed by sin, and if you are walking in a life that is dreary and it's drudgery to follow Christ, and you feel overpowered and pressured by this world, and you can't live up to being a follower of Christ, and there's no holiness in your life, listen, it's because you're choosing to. It's your choice. The empowered life. The exchanged life. Transformational life. Listen to what Ian Thomas writes. One of the leaders of InterVarsity. He was working in London. Came to a point of great despair. He says, I have been a Christian for seven years. Coming to complete exhaustion one night in November, just at midnight, I got down on my knees before God and I wept in sheer despair. I said, oh God, I know that I am saved. I love you, Jesus Christ. I am perfectly convinced. I am converted with all my heart. I have wanted to serve thee. I have tried to my uttermost, and I am a hopeless failure. He said that night things happened. He says, I can honestly say that I never once heard from the lips of men what came to me then. God that night simply focused me on the Bible message of Christ, who is our life. He said to me, the Lord seemed to make plain to me that night through the tears of bitterness. You see, for seven years, with the utmost certainty, you have tried to live for me on my behalf the life that I have been waiting for seven years to live through you. See the difference? For seven years, with almost utmost certainty, you have tried to live for me on my behalf the life I have been waiting for for seven years to live through you. He says, I got up the next morning to an entirely different Christian life. George Mueller asked the secret behind all he's done for the Lord, all of his ministry. There was a day, he said, that I died, utterly died, died to George Mueller, his opinion, his preferences, his taste, and his will. Died to the world, its approval or censor. Died to even approval or the blame of my friends. And since then, I've lived only for the approval of God. Hudson Taylor. Hudson Taylor's spiritual secret, his point, the unfathomable riches of Christ, the inexhaustible inexhaustible riches of Christ. He said, Christ was in me, living his life through me. Now, there's a big difference 
between living for Christ, which so many in the church are trying to do, and surrendering your life, releasing that grip, and letting Christ live through you. You know how I know there's a big difference? It's, it's kind of how we treat people when they come through the doors of the church. So many that come through the doors of the church, listen to me, this morning, and I have these demographics, and we work with the churches all around the association, all around Knox County, and I share this word. As many churches as we have still this morning, within 45 minutes of downtown Knoxville, 350,000 people are in no one's church this morning. We're the buckle of the Bible, about 350,000, not in anyone's church this morning. And so the challenge is for us to think about those folks that are not here yet. And when they do come through the doors and they're not knocking on the doors, they're not, they're not piling into our churches. We've got to go out and invade the community. You need to go to your workplace, your neighborhood, to the coffee shop, and you need to share Christ. But how do you do that? Well, so many, it steps into legalism, and they come through the doors, and we want them to start to dress up like we do and behave like we do, and we give them the list, and if you do these things, and listen, it's all about peer pressure, and some of you are living the Christian journey this morning out of peer pressure from the outside in. Here is the pinnacle truth for all of us today. Christ in you, the hope of glory. You just need to stay in step with him. I was worshiping here a little while ago, and my son Trevor's here. He's a UT student, and uh, man, he, he, he towers over me now. It's just kind of frightening. I, I don't know how genetics work like they do for him. Man, it's just scary. And, and, and I was remembering back when we were in Oregon, and I pastored there, and there was snow on the ground one winter, and as I walked from a parsonage, a church house that they provided for us, over to the church building on a Sunday morning, I was just walking across and making my way to the church. There had been some snow on the ground, and I looked back, and here's, here's little Trevor at that time. And as I had made some steps in the, in the snow, and it was fairly deep, he was lunging. He was taking these big lunges, trying to stay in my footprint to keep his, his feet in step with mine. And that's the exact picture of Scripture where it says that Christ is in us, the hope of glory. And as it says over in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 24, we are to keep in step with his Spirit. Keep in step with his Spirit. Now, I'd have a hard time lunging and keeping up with his pace these days. But the challenge for all of us is to stay in step with the Spirit of God. Well, let me show you a picture of this. This is, this is Christ, and this is me. I've been asking the question this morning, where is Christ in relationship to your life? And what does it tell us there? Christ in you, the hope of glory. So this, this is Christ, and, and this, is, this is me. Now, you understand, I'm not talking about me, me. I'm talking about you, me. I knew it would be confusing. I didn't know which way to write it this morning. I started to write you, but then I thought, well, you're going to read you, and you're going to think it's talking about me. But what does the verse promise give us? Christ in you. And who's it talking about? It's about you and me if we're followers of Christ. This is me. This is you. This is followers of Christ. And what does it say? It says that Christ is in us. It says over in Ephesians, this great verse. Look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 14. 
coming up here on the screen as well. It says, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed, and you were marked in him with a seal, the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Did you hear what that said? It said there has been a deposit in your life. Man, if this were gold coins, any of you, any of you been watching this new show, Storage Wars? Man, can't get enough of it. Can't figure out what the next treasure they're going to find in one of these storage units that they buy for a couple hundred bucks. And then they get in there and they start digging around in the boxes and pretty soon they find gold or coin collection or some ancient artifact that's worth thousands of dollars. And none of that adds up to what this matters. Christ, Christ in you, sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. This, this is a good picture, isn't it? Amen? Amen. You with me this morning? Doesn't stop there. Watch this. Christ in you, the hope of glory. But here's God. Isn't Christ God? Yes. Where's Christ? Christ is in us. Let me show you something. Look at Colossians still, chapter 3. Down in verse 3. That is, here it is, the mystery made known to me by revelation. In fact, I'm in Ephesians. Let me get to Colossians. That mystery is also mentioned over in Ephesians. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ. Where? Where's it hidden? Where? Where? With Christ in God. Now, I want you to see the picture there. That's you, and that's me. Christ in me, Christ in you, and you in God, you in Christ, in God. What, what's this mean? It means when the culture's trying to press in with all of its philosophy and all of its temptation, and the world is just being the world because it's the world, and Satan has certain influence in the world, that this world and Satan, the enemy, he cannot defeat you unless you choose to be handcuffed to that old sin nature. So I challenge us today to grasp the marvelous, wonderful, pinnacle truth of Christ in you, the hope of glory. And what this says to me is Satan, Satan at one point thought he had defeated Christ. He thought Christ was dead and gone. Listen, three days later, he arose victorious. And that kind of victorious power is in us. You just have to loosen up the grip. Quit trying so hard to do it in your own strength because you'll fail every time. And that's where misery and frustration comes. You're trying too hard to do it in your own strength. It's Christ in you. The hope of glory. Would you bow with me? Heads bowed. Father, for some that are bowed before you right now, they have been through the doors of the church for decades, for years and years. And for some God, they have been coming in and out of the doors of the church just because of peer pressure, just because that's the thing you do when you live in the South. But God, how I pray today that everyone is truly living in the freedom of Christ, the power of the truth that Christ is in us, 
He has set us free. The freedom that Christ experiences is a freedom that lives within us, and it's the power of God within us, the hope of glory. So, Lord, I pray there's a fresh sense of surrender to this thing tomorrow. And like Ian, there are navigators who said, man, I've been trying so hard. You whispered to him, man, you're trying to live the life that I must live through you. God, let us experience freedom by letting go today. For some, Lord, there's a, there's a place of pride. For some, Lord, there's a root of bitterness. For some, Lord, they're overwhelmed by fear. For some, Lord, it's simply those circumstances, a, st- a stress and a fractured marriage, turmoil in family relations. let us make sure the main thing's the main thing and that is how we relate to you Christ Jesus God creator of this universe sustainer of our life Lord and Savior God hear our hearts of surrender in a fresh way today and Lord as we think about those who do come through the back doors of our churches let us love Love through us. Show grace through us. Teach through us. It's not us, Lord, it's you. Let us give as you give through us. Paul was so about partaking in your suffering. We don't like to suffer much, Lord. But if that's what we must do to make you known, show this glorious truth to others and bring it on. Help us, Lord. So, Father, in a fresh sense of surrender right now, we call out to you. God, your word says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, turn from their wicked ways and seek my face, then, and only then, you hear And you forgive those sins and you heal. Oh, God, we need healing. Healing in this land, Lord. Government can't bring the answer. Politicians, education is not what it's all about, Lord. It's you. Hear us, Lord. Let us start with each one of us, God, realizing it's from the inside out. From the inside out. Christ in us, the hope of glory. For this is our fresh sense of surrender, Lord. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Is Christ in your heart? Is Christ in your life? Maybe you're here today. You've never fully surrendered, never have pulled up to God a white handkerchief of surrender. You've been trying to do it on your, your own strength. That's what I'm telling you. You can't. You'll be miserable. Give your life to Christ. Is Christ in your life? But Christians, believers, is Christ your life? Is the Lord, your life, everything that you live for, the one that you serve, the one that you make known to the world, your family, your workplace, your neighborhood, is Christ your life. We're going to stand. We're going to sing a song. It was a song we were singing back at the offertory about the mystery, about what real truth is all about. Let's stand and join our voices together. Maybe you just want to come.
Again, holding up a white handkerchief of surrender. I, I'll be here if you're needing to talk to somebody about becoming a Christian. But this, these steps, just a simple time of openness to the Lord. And maybe, maybe it's dawning on you. For one guy, it took seven years. And after seven years, he said, man, I can't do this. But the Lord said, I'll do it through you. Maybe it's been 27 years for you. Or maybe it's been seven months, but you're trying to do so much. Loosen the grip. Let go. Let the Lord have it all. Maybe you just need to come and kneel and surrender it to Him as we sing together.